Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog, fully powered up and ready for another episode. Speaking of powered up, I just heard ACDC's new single, Shot in the Dark, is out tomorrow, so I'm extremely excited. You know, sometimes I wish we could turn back time to the good old days when, you know, Mama used to sing us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. Those are actually lyrics from 21 Pilots, but they ring true as so many entrepreneurs can relate due to the burnout rate being an all-time high, and stress and burnout cost the U.S. $300 billion annually. Let that sink in for a minute. But this brings me to my guest today who will be discussing preventing and overcoming burnout as well as how to prioritize, limit distractions, and refocus. Who I'm referring to is Holly Jean Jackson. Now, Holly is a health coach, life coach, and a transformational coaching method coach through Health Coach Institute. Holly helps entrepreneurs and business leaders love their life and business again. With over 12 years of technology and business experience, she helps business leaders get their groove back physically, mentally, and emotionally. Now, she does this through a combined approach of both coaching and consulting, providing practical and actionable results. She also helps end fear and frustration with technology. She teaches her clients to remember self-care is essential, not optional, and that community is critical to success. Now, she also hosts the Inspiration Contagion podcast, where she interviews transformational leaders who inspire hold a big vision that has high impact and lead others through inspiration. Holly, it's great to have you in the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's so wonderful to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, you've got a, such a great story, you know, and it rings true with me. I'd love for you to possibly share it with the audience as far as the before the decision and after the decision to take your destiny in your own hands and start your own business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my story starts in the woods, actually. I had some big pivot changes in my life. I went through a divorce, a career change, and a move, and decided I was going to do some reflecting and went backpacking alone at Lassen National Park in California. And while I was out there, honestly, I thought the scariest thing I would face would be my own mental chatter, my own anxious thinking. But on the third day of that trip, I reached the most dense part of the forest and I glanced down and saw a fresh set of paw prints and a second smaller set of paw prints. And I realized in horror that there was a mama bear out there, wrong place, wrong time. Oh, (laughs) yeah. As I turned the next corner, sure enough, there was mama bear and she immediately began charging me. As luck would have it, a fellow group of backpackers had just shown me how to charge a bear back. And so I took one step forward and with everything inside of me, I charged back at mama bears, like screaming, rawr. Wow. And it worked. She stopped and she walked away. And luckily I was able to survive that really terrifying moment. And so while I realize most of your listeners probably have never faced a bear and I hope they never have to. But the reality is, is that we all face bears in our life. So perhaps today your bear is launching a business or pivoting in your career. Perhaps your bear is, you know, leaving an abusive relationship. But my point is, is that whatever your bear is today, if I can face that bear in the woods, there's no bear too big for you to charge head on. And so through this process of facing my fears head on, I was able to go from working a corporate career 
uh, to launching my own business. And it was really great because it helped me take back control from multiple layoffs and a lot of health struggles. That's amazing. You know, I got to tell you though, my bear has got to be sweets at nighttime. I just can't stop doing it. So hopefully I can <laughs> fix that. Yes. Good luck with that. <laughs> I think it's psychological. I don't know why it's so comforting to just sit down and watch Netflix and eat uh, dessert. I don't know what it is, but I'm working on it. Trust me. It's, it's, a, it's a daily a struggle for me. Now, you know, you bring up a good point. You know, slowing down is so hard for people. And you guys, you have to wonder, are they keeping themselves busy because they know that if they do slow down and reflect inwards, something may come out of that and they may be scared to take that first step? Yes, um, that is actually a really great point. I find that your example of your bear of Netflix and, you know, watching television, it's a way for us to distract ourselves from feeling idle or having that time to listen to that still small voice inside of us. And I'm finding that a lot of, you know, colleagues, clients, friends, family members, we're struggling with this globally right now with COVID and more isolation and our life has changed in a really dramatic way. And there's a silver lining here if we take this as an opportunity to go within and really get clear on defining success for ourselves and what we do and don't want in our life and really defining a compass and a way forward. And that's going to look different than it was six months ago because the world has changed so much with COVID. So redefining that success and that path forward is essential. And you can't do that if you're staying busy because you can't think, you can't reflect when you're constantly on the move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know that you go on record saying that entrepreneurship is sought after for the ultimate goal of freedom, right? But also it's, it could be not being a victim of bad decisions, right? You know, you're, you're part of an organization that you suffer for, you know, bad leadership or very dumb decisions, but the business of life can keep productivity and success at bay. Maybe you want to expand on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So when one of the fundamental things that I teach my clients is how to build a life and business compass. And this is really important because it helps us remove that busyness and choose what we say yes to and what we say no to intentionally. And we're building a roadmap with that compass and making better, more focused decisions when we have defined success for ourselves. So part of that compass is saying, here's my five-year vision and goal, that thing that gets you out of bed and you're super excited to take action to achieving it every single morning. And that's why having that compass helps you really remain intact on that long-term goal, as well as your top five life priorities and your short-term three business goals that you're trying to achieve. So imagine you have this compass in front of you. You're able to say no to a lot of things. So for example, Netflix, that's probably not on your compass. Now, if you have time for relaxing, uncharging, unwinding, great, but you want to accomplish at least 1% growth each day towards that tangible five-year goal. And until you do that, you should not be doing things that are not directly aligned with your compass. No, that's absolutely true. You have to prioritize and focus on what's going to get you that end game result more than others. And you know, you, you talk about launching a business. We know how challenging that is. I know it must have been challenging for you. It could seem, you know, hey, where do I start? What do I do? Uh, and people usually get overwhelmed in the beginning stage and even throughout. 
is there anything people can do to prevent or slow down the feeling of being overwhelmed? And do businesses most often do this proactively or do they do it reactively, waiting until the pain is so great that they can't move forward? Yeah, so the first question around um, how, to pre- uh, how to avoid overwhelm and burnout. So the key there is really just to break it down. Instead of looking at something as this really huge lofty goal, setting small tasks beneath that or small stop gates below that is really critical. Uh, the biggest thing I can say is when you're feeling overwhelmed, it's typically because in your mind you have probably hundreds of things you need to achieve or, you know, a hundred. And so it's really about prioritizing what's most important. And there's one question you can ask yourself to help simplify this. And that's, you know, what is one thing that if I achieved it today would make everything else on my list of to-dos easier or unnecessary. And that's from the book, The One Thing. It's kind of a famous quote on focus and productivity. And then after you achieve that one thing, what's the next one thing you need to accomplish? So when you're feeling overwhelmed, step back, get quiet, and ask yourself that question, and then write out everything you need to accomplish. And this will help you get back into action. Because typically overwhelm and burnout is causing inaction. It's causing us to stay smaller, get really stuck. And that's what we want to prevent. Now, in terms of your second question of are businesses proactive or reactive? Well, it really depends on the business. I think with COVID, it's pretty difficult to be proactive. Nobody would have predicted that this was going to happen or it would unravel in the way that it has. But I think that the more we diversify our business models and our plans and have services online, services that don't rely on us doing things in person, the more you do that, the more sustainable your business is. So building sustainable business models and services can help us be more proactive and prevent burnout and overwhelm in the long run. It's good stuff. Yeah. Now, I know the business owners, you know, they tend to lose focus and this can be due to department noise, you know, putting out fires or media obligations, you know, it could be a, so many different reasons. What do you think is the most common cause, you know, as far as losing focus and how can business owners and entrepreneurs refocus and not lose it again to have that tunnel vision uh, to achieving their goals? Well, you know, we live in such a profoundly noisy world. I'm not sure there's one thing that causes us to lose focus. It's really a million tiny things that add up. And if you look at some of the research out there, the ability for individuals to focus on one task at a time and not to multitask is shrinking at a dramatic rate. Very few people are able to sustain focused work for a long period of time. So, and what's ironic is that a lot of the business services in the world and the critical capabilities that we need require this skill set. And so I think that it's social media that distract us. It's the cell phones and having text messages or looking at your Instagram or a phone call coming in that derails you from the tasks that you have on hand or a notification on your computer. I mean, there's just a million things that can derail you from focusing. And so the strategy to prevent that is to plan out your day the night before and have kind of block scheduled times for what you need to accomplish that day. 
and then remove all of those barriers for distractions. So, you know, putting up a note on your door that says, I am busy and occupied for the next couple of hours, communicating your schedule with your family, putting that phone on airplane mode. I know it's, you know, torture, but just do it for a couple hours and then removing notifications from your computer so that you can actually get some work done. That, that could be easier said than done for some people. I know that, right? You know, say, <laughs> easier said than done, but nothing is going to happen in, you know, 20, 30 minutes that can't handle the world without you. Like it's, it's not going to completely fall apart. And I know parents, it's a little bit different, but there are some boundaries you can set with older children that allow you to still focus and get work done. No, it's true. I know they did a study recently. They said the, the, the worst thing you can do is to immediately check your email first thing in the morning. You know, you wake up and you immediately go to your email and that's how most businesses operate. I mean, you literally live in your email inbox and it's the, the age old question of, do I respond immediately or do I give it some time to prioritize from the top down? Uh, do you think as far as these techniques you mentioned, is it crawl, walk, run, we should take it step by step or just dive in head first and just go for it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it really depends. If you're incredibly unfocused and feeling extreme amounts of overwhelm, I think you probably want to go pretty hard on these strategies. So building out your compass, really getting focused on what you need, removing those distractions, communicating those barriers and boundaries with your family, and and really just focusing on one task at a time because you're not going to break through overwhelm until you're taking small steps and actions towards that goal. That's how you kill overwhelm is through action. And it's just busting through that fear by taking small baby steps along the way. If it's not as much of a problem, you can, you know, take baby steps towards being more focused. You could start with the night before each day, planning out your day and experimenting with block scheduling to see how successful you are consistently day over day. And that's kind of how I started with block scheduling was I remember trying to schedule a whole week and I was like, this is not practical or realistic. So then I went back and I started doing block scheduling for a day. And over time, I became became really more of an expert on myself and what I needed so that I was more successful in accomplishing what I planned out the night before each day. That's great. Now that's, that's fantastic. Now, do you think a lot of the loss of focus has to do with business owners and entrepreneurs being people pleasers uh, or control freaks? And what I mean by that is, you know, you have some people that, you know, they're very service oriented and they want to help everyone. They want to be the center of attention and they, you know, they want to be looked at and, and they want to be liked. Let's, let's be honest here. And then you have the control freaks who want to have their hand in every cookie jar possible. They cannot trust, they cannot delegate to other people and trust is going to get done properly. So they have to have their hand in everything and they're, you know, basically inserting themselves in every situation out of that. Have you seen this situation on both sides? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the control piece, I can understand solopreneurs or new businesses being really hyper-focused on an amazing customer experience. And that kind of also falls hand-in-hand with people-pleasing. But ultimately, if you're a service-based company, you need to be obsessed with your customer experience and the support process and all those things. And so I think it makes sense that most people are really controlled and making sure that that part of the business is optimized. Now, where we see this becoming more problematic is when they have capable staff 
that can take over that role and they can't let go of the reins. And I think this still makes sense because ultimately when you start a business, it's kind of like birthing a child to some degree because it's a lot of work. You've put a lot of effort. It's your dream, your vision, and it's hard to let go of the reins and allow your staff to take on some of these roles. So it can sometimes be helpful if we start by releasing control and building trust with staff members in other areas that are not as customer facing so that we can build that capability and trust and allow that person to thrive on our team. In terms of people pleasing, I'm not sure that that's as much of the problem. It's more just they're obsessed with the customer experience, making sure that the company brand is solid. And I think these are all valid points and they're necessary for success. Um, So I haven't really seen more of the people pleasing thing in a way that's not appropriate in the business space, if that makes sense. Yeah, people pleasing, I mean, by like internally, you know, when you're, you have your hand in different uh, projects because you want to help out, you want to decrease the workload in the departments, or you want to, you know, serve and lead by example, those type of things and please people internally or, or be liked or, you know, they call it selling internally, things like that. Um, so not necessarily outward with clients, but more inside of the business. Yeah, I think I see that more in larger companies, um, especially in corporate size companies that is more of the political culture and that certainly can be a big challenge and that doesn't really allow for people to be as focused on solving real problems or allowing new staffers or interns to grow and learn because other people are putting their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. So uh, it can be challenging. I think it's more of a problem in larger companies versus small companies. Yeah, no, it's a good, um, good observation there. Now, there's evidence really that suggests that entrepreneurs are more at risk of burnout because they tend to be extremely passionate about work and more socially isolated. You know, they have limited safety nets and they operate in high uncertainty and it's really contributed to a huge cost. I mean, $300 billion is, is attributed to stress in the U S a lot of people say it comes down to a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Have you worked with any clients that have had a fixed mindset? And is it very difficult to shift them to that growth mindset? Yeah, it it can be very challenging. It just depends on if that client is coming to you at the right time where they realize that they are not able to bust through that next wall to hit that next goal that they're seeking to scale the business further. If they're coachable and open, it's less challenging. And I actually don't take clients that are not coachable and are not ready to make significant changes. So for me, this would be a client that I would you know, say no to or refer them to somebody else. But if I have a client that's coming from more of a fixed mindset, but they're open to change, so they're fixed, but they, they realize there's another way and they're willing to try that. It takes some time. You have to build trust with the client. You have to really um, go deep on what their existing beliefs are around business and even in the personal side. It's pretty amazing how some of our beliefs regarding our health, our life, affect directly our business. You know, there's so many problems that show up in our business that are actually personal problems in disguise. So you have to build a high level of trust and go really deep with these clients to help them break through those limiting mindsets and beliefs to optimize their business and their opportunities. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You got to do that deep dive. And as they say, 
divers do it deeper and jockeys do it shorter, right? Now, <laughs> the Harvard Business Review, they came out with some kind type of a, a research study and the topic was burnout in the office, right? And they said it really came down to passion and how they define it was they had job passion. It's like a strong inclination toward work that one liked and found important. So they wanted to measure harmonious passion, which means someone's motivated by the job because it brings them satisfaction is an important part of who they are and obsessive passion, which means the job is important to someone because the status money or other awards that it brings. So what they found is the connection there was entrepreneurs who reported high levels of harmonious passion reported experiencing high levels of concentration, attention and absorption during their work. And they said they often felt totally taken by their work. They also allowed themselves breaks from it and had more flexibility. So they felt that their entrepreneurial career allowed them to live a variety of memorable experiences and to reflect on the qualities they liked about themselves. So overall, the harmoniously passionate entrepreneurs were able to balance their job with other activities in their lives without experiencing conflict, guilt, or negative effects when not actually engaging in work. So they had a, real, a much smaller chance of suffering from feelings of burnout, right? So on the other side, entrepreneurs who were obsessively passionate about their business viewed their career as important because of certain pressures or outcomes. They were concerned about social acceptance, status, money, and other outcomes associated with being an entrepreneur. They had a hard time paying attention at work. They were often distracted by thinking about the roles and responsibilities they were neglecting, like family or staying healthy because of their obsessive passion. They said they couldn't live without their work and felt strong urge to work in their companies 24-7. So they felt emotionally dependent on their work, had difficulty imagining their lives without their work, and felt their mood depend on them being able to work. So it's, it's really telling that a fixed mindset, you know, it's kind of like the mindset thing, right? Fixed mindset, moderate the relationship between job fit and a burnout. So entrepreneurs with a fixed mindset viewed their feelings of job fit as so rigid that it influenced their feelings of passion, consequently leading to that burnout. Uh, have you seen this as far as your clientele? What do you think about this piece by Harvard? I think that's spot on. I've actually, I'd love for you to send me the link to that so that I can refer back to this in the future. Um, when I start working with clients, the, the big part of why we start with that compass and building that clarity is sometimes clients are building a business that's largely out of alignment with their life priorities, which means that they're in that other bucket that's not the harmonious. And also it means that they're more likely to experience burnout because they're building a business that's not an area that they're as passionate about or it's just so out of alignment that it's really draining them energetically and it's just hard to make everything fit you know square square peg round hole kind of thing so when i work with clients i like to make sure that we are really optimizing what i like to call their superhero skills so what are they really brilliant at and what do they really love to do? And is it something that their ideal client and the market needs? And if so, then that's what we want to go after. But also it's equally important that they're defining success for themselves. Now, yes, there's some success based on financially surviving, making sure you can pay the bills. But I will say that a lot of the goals that the people I work with that are visionaries and want to make a huge impact through their business, it's about so much more than money. Like you were describing the non-harmonious uh, folks that are, you know, obsessed. That Those people are focused on just the dollar value, just the metrics versus most of the clients and visionaries that I work with 
they're focused on the impact they're going to make, changing people's lives. And for them personally, they're focused on being able to show up for their families, being able to support their parents when they retire. And so sure, some of these are financial, but it's more about connection and experience and having an impact with the people you love the most. It's not about these other things that you're describing in that obsessive bucket. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know the, the number one cause of stress is, uh, is stated as being the workload itself. And this makes sense that people are going to be taking on so much work uh, to keep themselves busy or to, you know, get them over the line uh, that could do some damaging effects in the back end, right? If they don't pace themselves. And you kind of look at a business owner sometimes when they lose focus or they become burned out. And sometimes it could be a lack of inspiration, right? What inspired them to begin with, to get into business? What were they trying to accomplish? What were they trying to solve? Were they trying to save the world from something or, or help people with whatever it was? What inspired it? So you have to really tie it back to that original inspiration. And what do they say, Holly? Success is, what's the breakdown between inspiration and perspiration? I can't remember that, uh, that statement, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> should it be equal parts? I mean, yeah, I'm wondering, is it equal parts or should it be more inspiration? I'm not sure. But in other words, hard work and motivation, you know, when they meet, great things happen. What do you think about the lack of mentorship? You know, you have certain people that really are kind of clueless, meaning that they have an idea that's wonderful and they're very talented and they're very hardworking. They're, they have all the qualities you're looking for, but they don't have guidance. They don't have somebody to show them what they've done. And, you know, you show me your friends, I'll show your future, as they say, or it could be, you know, your parents were blind, they led you blind and you have no idea what you're doing. So there is a lack of mentorship do you see a lack of mentorship? And if you do, is it because of people of hubris where they say, hey, listen, I'm too good. I don't need anything. I know it all. Or it's because they just can't find anybody to guide them. What, what do you think? Well, there's always that interesting quote that the teacher shows up when the student is ready. And I really think this is true. If you really want a mentor, there's not a lack of mentors out there. I do think that our ego gets in the way. I also think that I've, I worked in the education system on public policy and education tech for a number of years. So I'm pretty deeply obsessed about that part of the world. And I, I think that our education system, there's a lot of things we do, right? One thing we don't do as well is we don't really teach entrepreneurship. We don't really have solid mentor programs. We're losing the element of community upbringing and communities coming together to support beyond just the school system. And as we lose this element, it's making the ego larger and it's isolating people more. It's making them less open to asking for mentorship. So I think that it's just it's a cultural thing that has changed over time based on how society is shifting. And it's really unfortunate. We should be teaching our kids critical thinking, communication skills, and we should quite frankly be teaching them that entrepreneurship is an option. We, we, we don't just want to force them to go to a community college or to higher education. For some people, that's not the best option. So it would be really great if we had this other avenue of teaching them entrepreneurship and, and real skills around that. Because quite frankly, even colleges, you know, I have a master's degree and I studied public administration, which is basically like an MBA for the public sector. They don't give you all the skills that you need by far. Like there's so much lacking in the system 
that we want to empower future generations so that they can solve these complex problems that we're facing over time. No, it's true. I mean, learning without doing is kind of pointless, right? Last topic I want to tackle here is the fear and frustration of technology. We'd love to know from your perspective, what really causes this and who does it most often affect? That's a good one. So, you know, folks, we are in the era of technology and like it or not, we can't blame the medium for where our audience is. A lot of people I work with really resist wanting to use social media for marketing. And the reality is that that's a great avenue to market and to build trust and likability and credibility. So instead of being frustrated with that, figuring out your boundaries and how to make that work and remembering your long-term goal and the impact you're hoping to have with those people is part of the mindset of this shifting past you know, resistance to using technology. The other area that shows up is a lot of solopreneurs or people getting started in their business and quite frankly, people that are pretty far along in their business are oftentimes lacking core business systems. So these are technologies that help us manage our customers' background on them, our processes, how we're going to optimize growing our teams, the ways we can scale things online, how we can improve our customer experience. And a lot of this you can scale pretty well, even as a solopreneur. So if you're working by yourself, technology is your best friend. That's the best way for you to optimize until you have the funds to grow your team. And the better you use these systems, the easier it will be to scale that team because then you have systems that you can teach that team versus it's in your brain. Because if you get hit by a bus, you won't have any of that retained. So it's so important that we release this resistance to technology. And honestly, a lot of these business technologies have amazing onboarding processes. They're not that hard to use and it's going to make your life a lot easier. For sure. What about those people that think that uh, the social media and technology are trying to control your mind and get into your bank accounts and steal everything from you? <laughs> <laughs> well, as somebody who's been in technology for a long time, ironically enough, I'm, I can be a little paranoid, especially with things like artificial intelligence and, and all of that. And I think that each of us has to determine what our boundaries are. I, I do feel that sadly, a lot of social media, just because culturally and societally what's being posted does, you know, only paint this really beautiful picture. And from a mental health standpoint, it's not healthy. But the reality is if you're marketing, that's where people are hanging out and you need to get on there so that you can change the discussion so that it's actually helping people solve problems and get into action. So be part of the solution instead of complaining about the problem. And then if you really don't like it, only use it for your business. You don't have to be on there sharing things personally outside of um, except for, you know, trying to build likability and connection and trust with your audience. That does require, you know, being somewhat vulnerable. But I'm not saying get a you know personal Instagram account. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be smart about it, have boundaries, and utilize technology. There you go. Make it your friend, right? Offload some of that stuff and automate and increase efficiency, increase revenue, increase happiness. Everything happens from there. It all snowballs into one great Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Holly, it's been great. I really appreciate everything. Any last words of wisdom or anything you'd like to share before we wrap up? 
Yeah, well, you mentioned inspiration earlier. So, you know, inspiration is so important. And with all the negative stuff out there, I have that podcast, Inspiration Contagion. So for folks that are looking for, you know, that ray of hope or hearing from other people with amazing stories, I think it's just really important that we remain inspired um, as a group and support each other. And I guess my last thing would be if you're feeling overwhelmed, make a list of three things you can do today and get those done and then celebrate them. That's all it takes to get out of overwhelm. And then just make that list of everything else. And guess what? You can tackle it tomorrow. There you go. See, my problem is I'd celebrate by having dessert and watching Netflix, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) And I did, you know, I heard your interview with JJ Virgin. It was great. You know, whenever you feel that you are, you have issues, just watch that show, my strange addiction or whatever she was on. And you, you know, you're, Night and day, head and, head and shoulders above, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Every time your, your thoughts are spiraling down that rabbit hole of negativity, just remember these are thoughts. They're not who you are. And if you're not liking where your thoughts are going, find something that gets you out of that loop. So if that's playing music or having a solo dance party or calling a good friend, do whatever it takes to stop the spiral because you're just doing damage to yourself when you're allowing your negative thoughts to take over. There you go. Now, last question, very last question, Holly. It's a personal question. It's just for the audience to get to know you a little bit better personally. Uh, So who are you voting for? No, I'm kidding. That's not the question. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The question is you're on an island for the rest of your life and you can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What are they going to be? Oh, man. Um, Well, the movie would be Pride and Prejudice. Was Um, it Julia Roberts in that one? No, Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. There's several right, versions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the book is a series. It's Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea. Like, it's a series of four books. Um, nice. And then, because I'm obsessed with, she's like an amazing, inspirational, different thinker. And I feel like Anne and I are like the same person. Um, album. Oh, man, that's the hardest. I'm a musician, and I love music. Um, oh, nice. What's your mu- music of choice? Jazz. Jazz is my my favorite music of choice. Um, I can't really p- pick a specific album, but, uh, man, this is so hard. You know, Maybe- jazz, it all, it all sounds the same, doesn't it? See, some people will say that jazz is not technically music, but we won't go there, right? Oh, we could have a whole podcast on that anyways. There um, you go. My dad's a huge fan, so. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, teachers is Josh Nelson. So I would say his Mars album, I forget specifically what it's called. Uh, I think it's like Visiting Mars or something by Josh Nelson would be my album of choice. It'd be great to listen to on an island, I'll tell you. Holly, it's been awesome. How do we get in touch with you? How do people reach out and, and, and uh, get in touch, learn more about you? Sure. You can check out my website, hollyjeanjackson.com. You can send me an email at holly at hollyjeanjackson.com. And you can follow me um, on any podcast, you know, uh, provider of choice on Inspiration Contagion. Wonderful, Holly. Thank you again for joining. It's been a pleasure. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and look forward to staying in touch. And I will definitely send you the Harvard link. I was just going to remind you. Thank you so much, Brian. Anytime. 
Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.